Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Pipeline Superheroes. Today's superhero is Greg Sloan from Atlanta. Greg, how are you doing? I'm great, Grant. Good to be with you this morning. Yep, really fun one today. Uh, Greg has a bit of an interesting story. You know, we've had a lot of SaaS operators, investors, growth experts on this podcast. Greg, you're chief purpose officer. So just to get started, what does that mean? Because you don't see that at every company. You don't. And candidly, it's not a title that I was even aware of 24 months ago. Um, I've been in the purpose space, I would say, for over 15 years. And I first came across the title um, for, through an article. I think it was in Forbes magazine that talked about the chief purpose officer being the next most valuable C-suite executive for the future of work. And probably the most famous, if I were to describe one, and one that inspires me, is uh, Shannon Schuyler of PwC, large accounting firm. Uh, she was named their chief purpose officer in 2019. And that's the first person that I saw publicly carry that title. And I'll explain what I think that means and what her role is, as well as what other chief purpose officers' roles are. But if you'll do a LinkedIn search, I think there's less than 300 individuals wow. worldwide. And I believe in 24 months, that could, 12 months, that could be 3,000 individuals. You should meet them all. You should create a, a conference of sorts. Uh, I'm working on it. There you go. There you go. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, so yeah, tell me what a purpose officer is responsible for. And also would love to hear why we need them. So I'm going to talk about two different types of purpose when we use that word. Simply put, company purpose and personal purpose. And when you look at the chief purpose officers, I'll again refer back to Shannon Schuyler. I think she does, she's leaning a little more in the direction of the personal purpose although she absolutely is responsible for the company purpose compared to Quasi Mitchell, who is for Deloitte, who I think is definitely leaning more in the direction of company purpose. So when we hear that term purpose, we're really talking about both of those. My opinion is that a chief purpose officer should really have their eye on both sides of that coin, two sides of the same coin, if you will. A quote from a um, a 2022 study that was just released called the CEO Purpose Report uh, across um, 5,000 uh, countries, I think, and um, or 5,000 organizations, 1,000 CEOs participated. And coming out of the pandemic, something like 73% of CEOs recognize purpose is probably the most important single thing to help them make long-term strategic decisions. And something like 65% of them are increasing or accelerating their focus on purpose within their organization. One last statistic that I think is critical coming to this role of chief purpose officer. In 2021, CEOs believe, 6% of CEOs believe that purpose was under the the umbrella of the chief people officer, the human resources component, 29% after 2022 believe that purpose is under the umbrella of the chief people officer or the people strategy, as I would like to say it. So when you, when you look, at, look at and see an organization, every company has a mission statement. Not every company has a purpose statement. 
the great ones are starting to add those. I can tell you a story about UPS. 28, 23% of CEOs have in their organizations have a, have a purpose statement. 55% of CEOs want a purpose, purpose statement to help guide their company. So a lot of stats there, but just to give you some, some backdrop of, of what it is. Mm -hmm. Would you also say that uh, purpose writ large is necessarily down? I just found like, you know, a lot of my friends and colleagues through COVID as, you know, work has become more virtual and that's great for some people, not great for other people. There is necessarily a layer of abstraction between yourself and your workplace, whether it's a Zoom call or only going in a certain amount of time and you feel like, you know, it's a little bit more virtual than it was before. Do you think that hurts purpose? And like, um, is that why this is now like sort of the moment for this? Um, I, I don't know if it hurts purpose yet. I think we're still early into that analysis. I have a slightly different thesis on the integration of purpose in the workplace. First of all, when we hear that term purpose as an individual, hearing that word, 70% of us think of our purpose as tied to our career. Not everybody thinks of that word purpose as it relates to career, but 70% of us do. The other 30% of us could be thinking about other things. Probably one of the most critical, or one, of, one of the most important is family, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of moms in particular um, see their purpose in life as, as about raising children and a family, whereas uh, men overwhelmingly think about their purpose in the workplace. I believe that we are in the third act of a four-part play. And the first act, I believe, started after 9-11. Not sure where you were, and, and, but you're definitely in New York City, so you still have context of this. But we were taught, and I was in the middle of my career, that we were taught that your work, when you go to that place of work, that could be your last day on the planet. So you want to make sure that your work is meaningful, that there's purpose in what you're doing, that you believe in the purpose of the organization that you're going to potentially never come home from. And I think the second act was coming out of the Great Recession, where we learned as a society and as a world that the leaders, particularly the central bank leaders, they didn't really know as much as what we thought they did. We definitely lost trust in the financial system. I spent 25 years in financial services. I worked for Goldman Sachs uh, during those periods of time. So I, I was right in the thick of it. I think the third act actually began before COVID. If you, if you look at some of the statistics and some of the research, purpose started to really become a, um, a measurable thing in about 2015, 16 is when I first saw some research on this by LinkedIn actually was a co-sponsor of this research. COVID and the pandemic, I think of as sort of the, the pivotal moment that caused this wave to crash onto the floor. No question purpose, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, no question the pandemic has caused more individuals. In fact, Gartner did a study, 52% of individuals coming out of the pandemic said, this has caused me to question the purpose of my job day to day. And we saw the, the reality of this in what I call the great realignment. I hate mm -hmm. to use that term mm -hmm. great resignation because those individuals wanted to realign their career and their activities with their 
what who they saw as themselves to be at their highest and best self. You, your your podcast is a call is the superhero, right? Each of us has this superhero within us, and it's almost like we were in the wrong movie, and so we wanted to be part of a different movie. And I think that that's really been accelerated. No, it's not just I think it. The research has indicated that that has absolutely been accelerated because of the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's true. I think you, you know, it's like the fish out of water mm -hmm. uh, aphorism where a lot of folks now are more enabled, more empowered than ever to switch jobs. And I find that, you know, a lot of like my friends and colleagues, they're maybe, you know, they're demotivated in their job. They're not doing the best work or they're not feeling like, you know, they're have a sense of purpose. And it's really because they're in the wrong industry and we have a much more positive culture of switching jobs, not being married to your employer. And I think that's great for a lot of people, especially people that are, you know, traditionally disadvantaged as well, that maybe, you know, felt like they needed that job security now that it's, you know, um, more financially solvent to change jobs. Um, but what, one thing I wanted to ask about, so like purpose, as I'm sure you know, is sort of a general term. And when I say, when you think purpose, and this is what you're talking about with some of the statistics between, you know, the difference between purpose coming from work or family or both, or, you know, one in, in, uh, in hope of the other, um, but when you when you look at purpose, you would think that everyone is sort of their own snowflake, where they all have their own impression. Everyone has their own psychological makeup and history. Um, while you know, I would love to touch on some of the stuff that you're really doing. And you're in the field um, because you're you know the founder of two companies, Go Beyond and Wealthfully. Um, one seems like it's you know related to even a psychological assessment, um, and another is really okay. How do leaders and how do companies attract, grow, and retain workforce through purpose? So the question is purpose seems like it is innately driven um you know through a series of environment things that happen for each person yes. while um a company to establish a purpose needs to be more tops top down so how do you like reconcile those two you know kind of uh, conflicting sources of purpose well first of all i'll tell you grant the fact that you asked that question in the way you did tells me you've thought deeply about this and you understand that there is some real nuance as well as complexity to this issue so and then this is why we exist as a company because we're trying to reconcile these two so i'll start with even a company, if you go back to its foundation and many companies that are 50, 100 years old, if you trace the roots back, there was a founder who believed that they had an idea to make the world a better place. Purpose, I'll just describe it generally as we believe it's you know helping make the world a better place for others, not just for yourself. Okay, purpose is outward focus. I can talk about the psychology and Maslow's uh, research on that. But bottom line, just think of purpose as, as other-centered. But the or origin of those companies were that the founders or the, uh, uh, the original stakeholders really wanted to make the world a better place through a product, delivery of a product or service. In many companies, that's been lost. They never carried that original founder's soul, if you will, to where we are today. And I can, you know, even um, UPS, Carol Tomei took over as CEO of UPS in January of 2020, right months before the pandemic hit. And one of the first things she did as a CEO was to pull a team together from your point, top down. Although I believe she pulled... Uh, from the top of the organization through through different levels of the organization, which I think is brilliant. 
to help them craft their purpose statement. So absolutely, we believe that number one, start with the organization top down. I, I would love, I, I much prefer uh, organizations that, that invite all layers um, to the table, all stakeholders to the table to help to craft what is our purpose? What do we really exist for other than profit? Jim Collins said in his book, great company exists for a higher purpose than their mere profit generation. On an individual basis, if, an, if the founders of the organization, going back 50, 100 years or sometimes five years, had an original purpose that they believed that they were uniquely designed to solve a particular problem in the world, why would you not believe that exists for every single one of your people? And if you as the leader, CEO, say, you know, I have this great purpose, I have this superpower that I'm going to change the world. And then not ask the question, wait a minute, if I have this superpower, doesn't every single one of my employees have a superpower? And if they do, why would I want them sitting in the wrong seat? I want them sitting in the right seat. You referenced um, Jim Collins, and, and I'm sorry, you referenced uh, being in the, uh, I don't know what you said, being in the wrong uh, industry. I'd like to believe, first of all, that individuals might be on the right bus, but in the wrong seat. So Jim Collins said in Good to Great, get the right people in the bus, then get them in the right seats in the bus. So our first um, charge and, and focus is let's keep your employees on the bus. Let's keep your workers on the bus. Let's keep them on the team. Maybe we just need to switch seats. Great. No question, some individuals will say after, after this, you know what? I've I've known I was on the wrong bus. I intended to be on this bus only for a few years. Now it's time to get off. That's going to happen, whether we like it or not. But then I think there's a third thing that we don't often talk about. And that is sometimes the bus needs to be retrofitted. It was designed for an era before a lot of the technology exists. It was designed for an era that is long gone, that will not return. When we use the word remote, I like to describe remote as a workplace and hybrid as a workforce. So let's bring mm -hmm. those two yes. together. Let's not confuse the two because as we know, we also exist in an economy where more and more individuals are not gonna be W-2 employees. Whether they're 1099 gig freelancer, or I actually believe that there's a future new model that they are going to exist in a hybrid model where maybe they really are loyal to one organization, but they may mm -hmm. not necessarily be a W-2 employee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that'd be really interesting, too. I've seen a lot of projections and companies in this space of making life easier for freelancers because, you know, there's a lot of security, like economic security, you know, knowing where your health care is coming from, yeah. knowing that you'll have a steady stream of work. That's hard. That I see a lot of really interesting tools in this space. Um, so to that point, so you said something really interesting, which is, you know, that you have essentially the driver of the bus who is a leader and you're making sure everyone's in the right seats. So, you know, there's two responsibilities there. There is, you know, making sure the bus is going the right direction and turning around and making sure that everyone is, you know, is, is happy. And, What's interesting is I think that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is predicated on a certain level of vision from the founder. 
which is something that I see with a lot of great companies, of course, I'm not the first one to point that out, which is very interesting. Um, and so, um, and then you were talking about like, I really like the idea of the hybrid being a different form of workforce, but how do you think about purpose being a social contagion? And what I mean by that, you know, I'm using sort of a, a word with negative connotations, but like if you go to the office and everyone's wearing the same thing and I'm not, you know, extolling that everyone needs to go back to wearing suits, but you understand what I mean. And you go in and everyone is, you know, physically in the same office, they're in the same meetings, you're rubbing elbows, you're making friends, you know, and you're talking about things, you have more information about the politics of the role or who's getting promoted, you feel like you're more part of a team. How do you reconcile that with purpose? Because like, if you're a leader of a company, and you're trying to build, you know, the best car in the world, and you want, hey, we're trying to build the best car in the world, we're trying to build the safest car in the world, so families can drive our car, and they feel, you know, secure putting their their kids in that. And, you know, I like, how do you reconcile that with the remote thing? And I know I'm, I'm going back to this, because I do feel that, you know, there is while it's top down, there's a distributed nature of these things. And, you know, there's, you know, a, an innumerable amount of communications that happen, happen during the day, verbal or otherwise in an office. Um, I miss it at times that at times I don't, um, you know, I used to have somebody uh, near me, uh, at my desk that would hum and I'm, I don't like sounds. So that would bug me. But at the same time, he was a good friend. We would get lunch. We learn about each other's roles. So, uh, but anyway, uh, as an aside, uh, so I, I wonder how you think about those things. Yeah. So first of all, we have interviewed and talked to a lot of people obviously have gone through our process and one size do not, does not fit all. I'll, I'll yeah. give an example of my daughter who is 20, she's about to turn 27 years old. Today's her last day at the company she's with and she starts a new role next week, a new new nice. job with a new company next week. A great opportunity from her. Um, she is currently in the office five days a week and that works for her. The new role is a remote um, workplace. So she only goes into the office a couple of days a week and then she's going to work from home three days a week. She's not sure how she's going to do in that environment because her personal style is to be in the office sitting next to the person, even if they're humming or not, but that's just, it gives her that level of energy. I believe that we as leaders need to recognize it's not a one size fits all. You know, Elon Musk has come out and said, everybody's back in the office or you're fired. I mean, that's not, I, I don't support that. I'm a big fan of Elon Musk, but I don't support that. Um, mm -hmm. you, you have to give individuals freedom within the context of what what works within that organization as well but you have to find that that medium that happy medium if you will or maybe the maybe the spectrum of medium that says look we kind of need this as an organization so we're going to ask you to participate more on in this way but in another way we're going to be a little more free to allow you to do things differently no question if there's one thing that that is not coming back it's a full time into the work into the uh, office that's not coming back that 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 ship mm -hmm. has sailed so now it's a matter of leaders uh forward thinking leaders saying first of all we don't know how this is going to play out but, you know I, I read somewhere that the first rule of a leader is to define reality here's the reality we don't know mm -hmm. 
But a growth mindset says, I'm willing to participate in the learning, I wanna learn, and I'm willing to participate in, in creative solutions that works for our organization and all of our stakeholders, and no question, including our shareholders. But our shareholders and the profitability of the company, if it's, if it's highly contingent on our workforce, that's a critical stakeholder that is now much more important than it was pre-pandemic. Maybe you can say that the, um, the playing field is coming back to where there is a little more um, authority distributed, which I think is a good thing. Um, but we still don't know where it's going to go. Remember, I said, I think we're in the third act of a four-part play. Mm -hmm. We're figuring it out in act three. That's where the drama takes place in a, in a traditional theater experience. But there's a finale. There's a hero mm -hmm. that wins in the end. There is a happily ever after, if you want to use the Disney analogy. And I am optimistic that we as, as society, particularly the workplace, we're going to figure it out. It just may take 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wonder, here, here's a question for you. So... Um, I'm, I'm sure as you've really sunk your teeth into purpose, you have researched like primary sources in the field that these folks, when they were writing their books or blogs or podcasts, or whatever it may be, didn't even understand that they were talking about purpose to the same yeah. extent that you have it traditionally defined. And what comes to mind as I say that is if you're familiar with Naval Ravikant and his almanac that Eric Jorgensen put together, and he has some really interesting ideas about the nature of work, success, um, and like what that really looks like. And some of it is now really like in the mainstream, like the idea that you're not rich if you make a lot of money, you're wealthy if you bring in more than you spend. And like, that's not a very profound thought, but like it, it, there's something, you know, brilliant in the basics of it. Um, and then another idea is that, you know, I think that what people work for in their life more than ever, and this is very much an internet tech age of philosophy as well is they want to retake their time. So, you know, my first few jobs, I was in the office five days a week. I had to be there at eight in the morning. I left at six. You know, if I was sick, I stayed home. If I had something big, I could work from home. Otherwise it was frowned upon. Um, and that was like, that took a lot of time. It took me, you know, an extra 40 minutes a day to get two or four work. So, you know, that's hours, weeks, days, you know, on, on a year of scale. Um, now, remote work has broken that paradigm to a certain extent. And, you know, I'm more senior in my career and I am able to make my own calendar more. And that like gives you, it's more about like eliminating the things that are anachronisms that take up time. Um, so, you know, really successful people that can dictate their own schedule. They have that already. They had that already, but now everyone else gets to sort of, okay, you know, put it uh, at arm's distance. This is work. This is my life. Um, sometimes that's blurred if you're always could be on your computer. But I'm, I'm curious how you think about that and how, like, you know, what you've learned about purpose from folks that didn't even know they were writing about purpose. A um, lot to unpack there. Let, let me um, bring it into one single theme that I just read like an hour ago. Okay. Uh, Aaron Hurst 
is the CEO and founder of a company called Imperative. Imperative is a software platform that uses peer-to-peer coaching, purpose-driven and purpose-centered peer-to-peer coaching within organizations. He was the one that uh, co co-authored the research with LinkedIn back in uh, 2016 mm. called the Purpose at Work Study. Aaron posted something a week ago that said, in all of our research, what we have figured it out, it comes down to one thing as the difference between people that are fulfilled and people that are less fulfilled. We use the word fulfilled versus happy. And it's what he called a purpose mindset. So everything that you're talking about, a mindset includes the idea that you have some level of control. And I would argue you have a high level of control about your mindset. I'm going to use a weird analogy. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm picked up golf again, and I'm really working on trying to get my swing. But when I go to the driving range, when I spent two hours on it last night, before I get to the driving range, I have to go through this mindset of what am I, what are the controllable factors in my swing and what are the, the uncontrollable factors? One of the things that we all want to control greater is our time. When we talk about purpose, you cannot talk about purpose without recognizing that we all have a uh, the same amount of time, the same number of minutes and the same number of seconds in the day, but many of us have less control over those seconds in time. And ultimately, We believe, I believe that purpose is the key to making better decisions, better decisions, better life. So one of our our taglines is, you know, better choices, better life. Well, choices fundamentally have to include how you spend your time. And if there's one thing I used to drive for probably 15 years of my career, maybe a little longer, I used to drive approximately one hour each direction. We talked a little bit about the traffic here in Atlanta before we got on the podcast, but- And the bad drivers. Yeah, it was bad drivers. Sorry, Atlanta, just being real here. <laughs> Driving one, what, one hour in one direction and one hour the other direction, I do look back and, and I, recognize, I realized, I felt like, my life was being sucked out of me. I, I didn't have control of that. Of course, this is way before um, the, the opportunity to work uh, at home or remote, work, remote workplace. But no question that when I, when I looked at my life, I went through a sort of an existential crisis at age 36, um, 2006 when I was with Goldman. And this is really where I uh, said, you know, financial success is not, uh, as as fulfilling as I thought it would be. There's something more. What is that more? I don't know. And ultimately went on a personal purpose journey to figure out, oh, there's this other part of, of life, which is less self-centered than what I was. Um, and one of the things I looked at was, okay, these two hours of my day, I, I'm, I'm wasting my life away. And for me to be, to live out my purpose, I have to reclaim that time. And I attempted to, to reclaim that by asking my, my boss at the time to, to, for a different seat on the bus. Can I have a different seat on the bus? It's going to allow mm-hmm. me to reclaim more time and energy in my life. And he said, that doesn't exist. That job doesn't exist. And I said, okay, well, 
then I think it's time for me to switch buses. Incidentally, a year later, they kind of came up with that job, but um, you know, it, it all worked out for the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think about that a lot. I think like mentality and how you approach work because it used to be like nine to five, the rules were very clear. You spend time, you pay attention, right? And you, like, what, what can you do besides choose what you spend your time on, choose what you pay attention to, and to a certain extent, your decisions of your mindset of all those things. And to use another analogy, like you if you read about exercise science, if you believe going into an exercise that this will provide me more energy, that I'll feel more energized after, that's all it takes for that to be true. If you think, okay, this is going to train me, this is, I'm obligated to do this, you know, I'm going to be so tired after this, I'm going to eat something unhealthy, I'm going to, you know, whatever, um, then that's what you do. And so I think that like, and I, I think this goes to a really important point about everything we've talked about purpose is how do you prime, how do you, you know, wrangle your own sense of mentality of <clears throat> whatever task you're focused on and align that with what's successful for you and your, you know, the group of people you're working with and your, your company. And um, I'm really excited to see what you find and excited to learn more from you. I'll be following uh, wealthfully and go beyond. And if there's anything else you'd like to to promote now would definitely be the time, Greg. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we are a B2B um, software company. Uh, we provide an employee experience or what I'd like to eventually call a worker experience. Cause again, to, to the point that not everybody's going to be a quote unquote employee, a worker experience that says, I can bring my purpose. I can align it with the organization purpose. And when I do that, there is a true win, win, win. The organization wins because they're getting the best of me. I win because I live a more fulfilled life. And our customers and our shareholders win because we are all aligned. So I am, I am a big believer in work. I gain my purpose. I pursue my purpose by being an entrepreneur. That's part of what, what makes me tick. Um, I also serve other entrepreneurs, other purpose-centered leaders in helping them grow their or organizations just as an advisor. But at the end of the day, you know, we are looking uh, for more um, customers that, that say, you know what, I believe that purpose is something that we should integrate into our culture and into our strategy. And again, the research is very um, strong out there between Harvard Business Review and and McKinsey and Deloitte that says there is a way to build a business or to integrate purpose into your business strategy. No question to integrate it into your people culture. We'd love to work with you. Um, we primarily focus, to be candid with you, on professional service companies, whether it's financial service, healthcare, and we do some technology service companies, but that's sort of where we play. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Greg, this was an amazing conversation. Thank you. And um, we'll be in touch soon. And I'll, I'll post this with a link to Wealthfully and Go Beyond if any of the listeners want to check it out. Um, but Greg, thank you for the time today and uh, good luck with the traffic today. All right. Thanks, Grant.